What a joy and a pleasure and an honor to be with you all again today. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, just looking outside, the sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. Did you see the rain yesterday? It was pouring down. So we didn't drive in yesterday because that rain was just was like, no, we'll, we'll wait till in the morning. So, but thank God that the sun is shining and we're grateful for that. Um, let us pray. Father, we just thank you for this beautiful day that you bless us with. We thank you, O oh Lord, for each and every person that's present on today. I ask, O oh God, that you will touch each person in a special way. There are some prayers, O oh God, that are spoken out loud, and there are some concerns that we hold tight and dear to our hearts, but we know you know what's happening with each and every one of us. So I ask, O oh God, that you are here each and every prayer and grant us peace. Father, I just ask that as I stand before your people that you will bless me with your strength and your wisdom. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, I've been praying and praying and praying about today's message. Um, I've toiled over it because it's, it comes with so many emotions as a black person as a Christian, and maybe just as a Christian that just happens to be black. Um, so I'll just get started with it. Last week, while we were all here talking about seeking God first in all things, and then enjoying one another's gifts and talents, enjoying food and fellowship at Middlestock, there was an incident that occurred in Montgomery, Alabama that had went viral while we were just having a good time with one another. Uh, it didn't hit the news, didn't hit national news until about Tuesday, but it was all over social media. So I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but it's being labeled as the Alabama Brawl. Anybody heard about it? Yeah. Seen it all over social media, all the memes, all the little things that people are saying and doing and whatnot, and everybody seems to have an opinion about what happened. It happened because of this. It happened because of that. And so... The Alabama brawl, from what I observed, occurred as a result of an individual did not, that did not move their boat when axed and proceeded to assault the employee that had asked that the boat be moved. So it seems pretty straightforward, right? Somebody asks you to do something, you just say, okay, I can do that, and you just keep moving. But that is not the case. And if you've never been on one, you've seen one or a picture of a tour-like cruise liner before, such as the Good Time 3, in Cleveland. Anybody been on a good time or the Nautica Queen? I don't know, is there a boat like that around here in Canton? Okay, I just, I didn't think so, but I thought I asked. I didn't want anybody to feel left out. But I know there's a riverboat in Cincinnati, but that's the other way south. Okay, a little further down. So the tour guide on the good time will discuss, you know, how the word Cuyahoga is an Iroquois Iroquoian name meaning Crooked River. They'll talk about how the river is home to commercial transportation, how the river became highly polluted, and then there was a fire in 1969 because of an oil slick that was floating on the river. But since that time, praise the Lord, the river has been cleaned up and the area has been turned into a state park. Um, it has trails. It's a rubber front for tourists and visitors. It has walking trails, and we go there a lot because we love Lake Erie. But it's also the place where the Good Time and the Nautica Queen dock. So if you've seen the size of these boats or ships or cruise liners, you know they need space to dock. And if your boat is illegally docked there, 
it can't park. It can't, can't move and maneuver into place where it needs to go. So it's illegal to park there if you have a watercraft. So I said all that to say that when the cruise liner in Montgomery reached a dock and wanted to dock, the captain realized that there was not enough room for the boat to dock. So they asked over the PA system, much like what we have today, please move your boat. The owner, can you move your boat? The owner, operators, whoever, the boat didn't move their watercraft. And they waited like 45 minutes before something happened. Now I heard that the cruise liner employee was attempting to move the watercraft when, the, when he was approached by the owner operator. So rather than just move the watercraft when asked, one of the individuals associated with the watercraft chose to push the cruise line employee who happens to be a black man and the person that pushed him happens to be a white man in Montgomery, Alabama. The cruise liner employee had on clothes that indicated that he was on the job and was simply performing an expectation of his job by asking that the boat be moved so the cruise liner could dock. After being pushed, the employee threw up his hat and his hands as if to say, we'll bring it on. From there, the brawl ensued as the employee was then assaulted by several people, not just the one that initially assaulted him. And at that point, other black people that were witnessing then joined in to what appeared to be an attempt to help the black employee. Now this is just a short, non-opinionated, and I'm gonna say that again, non-opinionated version of the video that I observed. I cannot say what each person that was involved was thinking while engaged in this brawl. I've heard many opinions about the matter, and as I viewed and reviewed and processed and reprocessed the event that occurred, I began thinking about all the work of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr and all the other social activists that fought and are still fighting for an end to racism and to end civil injustices. And the last time I checked, this event was not being considered as racially motivated, nor as a hate crime. Other criminal charges were assigned to the people involved. And in my politically correct, non-opinionated, non-opinionated thoughts, I will not comment as to whether I believe this crime was racially motivated or not. However, what I will say is that when a man appears to be doing his job, simply doing his job, by asking someone to move their illegally parked watercraft, a civil liberty, a civil right has been threatened. He was unable to do his job without consequence and physical bodily harm. Again, we won't go into detailed discussion about what happened or the why it happened. What I want to discuss is how our thoughts are the prelude to our actions. In Proverbs 23 and 7, the scripture reads, as a man thinketh, so is he. As life coaches, I'm sorry, I, I thought I had something on the screen. Mike, what am I supposed to do? Do that? Oh, okay. All right. My fault. In Proverbs 23, 7, the scripture reads, as a man thinketh, so is he. As life coaches, counselors, ministers, parents, friends, siblings, we encourage one another all the time to think about the thoughts of the image or person's we want to be. When our children tell us about a fear or a concern they may have or someone we know may be exhibiting low self-esteem, we encourage them by telling them that they are strong, that they can be whatever they want to be. We encourage them to think thoughts of success and to see themselves in, different, in a different place and a different space. I remember when I was in grad school working on my doctorate and the road seemed long and never-ending. I began to call myself Dr. Young. 
I began to visualize myself walking across the stage with a cap and gown on to receive my degree. The power of thoughts is amazing, especially when we're thinking positively. What you will find over time is that I'm a very optimistic person, and while someone else sees the glasses half empty, I see the glasses half full, and then I'm trying to figure out a plan to refill it when it becomes empty. I see that in the light of the Alabama brawl and the damage and the trauma caused as a result, how can we use the power of our thoughts to make, how can we use the power of our thoughts to change the narrative? How can we make some societal changes just by the power of our thoughts? Our thoughts are the prelude to our actions. So if we start to think positive things, if we start to think of ways of how we can help one another, how we can encourage one another, how we can share and teach one another what God says about acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God, how can we start to make some of those societal changes in our world? We might not be able to do it on such a national level, but we can start locally. We can start together as a community. We got to begin to see the world as a better place and seek God for direction as to how we can individually and collectively make a change. The word also tells us that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And with that, we can and we shall seek him for guidance and direction. Micah 6 and 8 is a direct response to the people trying to win God's favor for their sins in the beginning of this chapter. Micah says he has shown us what he wants. He wants relationship. He wants us to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. And as we study the text for today, we find that Micah's name means, who is like Yahweh? To act justly, and I'm going to say this several times, to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Sometimes we forget that piece, with. We always say, oh, we can, we can quote the scripture and just say, um, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. But sometimes we forget, with our God. If Micah name means who is like Yahweh, Yahweh is justice. Yahweh is mercy and is merciful. Yahweh is humble. And though Yahweh is incomparable, we have been created in his image. And it is our responsibility to govern ourselves as if we were just and merciful and humble. And if our thoughts were predicated upon being just, merciful, and humble, our actions would speak volumes. Not only thinking about this particular incident, but other incidents that resulted in violence when other nonviolent choices were an option to resolve in a dispute. How many times have you ever been told, or you told someone else, you should really think before you act? You know, sometimes we tell people, you should think before you speak. Don't just say whatever comes out of your mind, you know, whatever comes to mind. You should think about that first. It's the same thing with our actions. We should think before we act. We should respond and not react. And so when we take the time to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly, our actions will be a result of those three um, commands. That's what they really are, commands. So last week I mentioned how we sometimes ask the advice of others when we have decisions to make. It's the same thing when we're thinking before we act. When we are thinking about solutions to concerns or things we should do to promote peace, 
or to promote nonviolent resolutions, our thoughts and our conversations should be turned towards heaven. As it relates to the Alabama brawl and other violent encounters, we must first act justly. Our actions should be in obedience to God's command that we love one another as we love ourselves. First, we must love ourselves, and loving ourselves encompassing knowing, understanding, and accepting the totality of who we are. The totality of who we are includes who we are physically, who we are spiritually, who we are emotionally, who we are mentally, who we are socially, and for some, who we are financially. When we know ourselves and understand ourselves, we are then able to know and understand others. Some of the issue with racism is that there are groups of people that have not taken the time nor care to take the time to get to know one another for an understanding of our various cultures and ethnicities. As I look back over time, and I realized that I was born just a few years after the Civil Rights Movement began. And I didn't experience the sit-ins and the marches and the riots and the opportunities to convene, to stand for the cause on that level. And I realized that in just a few weeks from today, Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech will be 60 years old. It would have been appropriate to discuss his speech on the Sunday closest to the anniversary, but in light of the events that occurred last weekend in Montgomery, and all the evident emotions and opinions that are being publicized on social media, I was led to address it today. 60 years ago on August 28, 1963, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. stood at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. before thousands of people, civil rights marchers, supporters, and delivered what's known as the I Have a Dream speech. I wasn't born 60 years ago. I was not born during the birth of the civil rights movement. However, I do experience some of the inequalities, racism, and other civil and societal injustices that Dr. King and others were working to change. And here we are, 60 years later, and some of those same injustices still exist. Taking a look at the incident of last weekend, thinking about Micah 6 and 8, which is a three-part request, to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. I wonder if when faced with adversity and controversy, how prepared are we to spiritually walk away, to turn the other cheek, or to just respond in a nonviolent, peaceful manner? We may think we can do it, but until it actually happens and it's blatant and in your face, we need strength, God's strength. We need God's wisdom to uphold us and to remind us to act justly and to show mercy to those that persecute us. We recite a line in the Lord's Prayer that asks God to forgive us as we forgive those that trespass against us. Friends, are we so easily forgiving? Are we so easily forgiving as God is forgiving? When we are accused of or assaulted, whether physically, emotionally, or other, how quick are we to forgive and to show mercy? The third command 
of the text is that we walk humbly with our God. I'm reminded of a song that I used to hear at church as a child. And the chorus is, he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, no other, one, no other has ever known. Even as a youth, I was intrigued with the fact that God walks with me. God, he really walks with me? And he talks with me? And then he tells me I am his home. If no one else ever told me they loved me, if no one else ever told me they cared, God did. God still does. As an adult that is reaching that season adult age, I'm not there yet, almost. I understand that the line, the line that says, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. You ever spent that one-on-one intentional time with God and realize what a joy it is to be in his presence or for him to be in your presence, just to be in his company? The joy you experience and the joy that you share. The joy I experience when I spend time with God, all God wants from us is relationship. When we find ourselves in relationship with him, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with him, would be second nature. It's like a young child walking with their mom and dad, the ones who nurture us and protect us. That's what God is. He's our protector and our nurturer. As I bring this message to a close, it is my prayer that what you've heard on today is not the totality of the brawl that took place in Montgomery, but the totality of being in relationship with God which will make it easy to walk and talk with him, resulting in the ease of acting justly at any point that we see our neighbor in distress, or acting justly when faced with decisions that can be addressed with nonviolent solutions. It's my prayer that you will find it a desire and a burden to love one another as God loves you. It's my prayer that the burden to love mercy will find you serving others in the community in ways that you've never served before. Serve in ways that God will be glorified and your fellow black, indigenous, people of color, brothers and sisters will benefit from your love of Christ. It's my prayer that your desire to walk humbly will increase the need to intentionally be in God's presence regularly so that you may experience that joy from tarrying with him as he walks and talks with you. Friends, last weekend in Montgomery, Alabama, where civil rights marches were prominent and the river where the incident took place was also the same place where African slaves were brought, bought, and sold is not indicative of the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's dream for equality. However, in that I have a dream speech, Dr. King says that one day in Alabama, he hopes that little white children and little black children can play together. And as we witnessed via that, via the uh, brawl last weekend, that dream has not yet been realized in its totality. We as Christians and people of peace, people that seek rec reconciliation and community, we must continue to strive towards peace, equality, and changing the narrative for social and racial injustices. And as we do that, 
I'd like to invite you to sing a few courses of the song, We Shall Overcome. We Shall Overcome is a song that has been adopted as a Negro spiritual and is often sang during events that highlight achievements of black Americans or during Black History Month. It's also sang at some points throughout the year during Sunday worship services, especially in the month of February. The song is a song of hope for the changes that can exist. It's a song of hope for an end to racism. It's a song of hope for equity and equality. Hope that one day we will truly be able to say that all men are created equal. It's hope that one day, as the Bible says, there is no respecter of person. We will really respect one another in that fashion. It's a song of hope that as I look at my neighbor and you look back at your other neighbor, that we can truly love one another as the Bible commands us to do. So today, with much assistance from Liz and Aubrey, because I will not sing it by myself, we will engage in singing a few choruses. And before um, we do, I just want to share, if I can see the words, um, some of the words to the chorus, it's the same it's the same chords, it's the same tune throughout each verse, and there are about eight or nine verses. And it says, we shall overcome. We shall overcome someday. Oh, deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome. And one chorus, the lines are, we are not afraid. Another one, we are not alone. The truth will make us free. We will walk hand in hand. The Lord will see us through. Black and white together, someday, oh, I do believe. And then we shall all be free. We shall all be free. And the history behind the song is that Pete Seeger, who is an American folk singer and also social activist, a white man, wrote the words to this song. And then it was adopted by the black community as one of the Negro spirituals that they sang when they gathered together during the riots and during the marches because they believe in the hope that this song said is possible. So I just ask you to listen to it, listen to the words, and as we continue from day to day, and as we see things such as the Alabama brawl, and we see all the memes that go with it, and all the jokes that people are saying, and the things that we might even find ourselves laughing at, it's not a laughing matter. No matter what we really think or how we really feel, it's a serious matter. And there's still much work to be done for the kingdom here on earth. So it's always our prayer that things are done here on earth as in heaven. Let's act like it. Let's act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God.